0: Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History, Avika Hemingway. Today, we are talking about Madame Elizabeth, and she has something to do with Marie Antoinette, and that's about all I know, because this is a series of women related to Marie Antoinette. So I'll let Claudine take it from here.
1: Yeah, it's Madame Elizabeth de France. Oh, and, that's a nice name. Yeah, France. and she is the sister of Louis
0: Sixteenth. So that's why she's de France. De
1: France, yes. Um, she was born on May 3rd, 1764 at Versailles. She was the eighth and the youngest child of uh, Louis the Dauphin and Mary-Joseph de Se- of Saxony and the sister, of course, of Louis the 16th. Eight children. Wow. Eight children. Yeah. She was uh, born, of course, at Versailles. She was baptized um, at the Royal Chapel by the Archbishop of Reims, uh, Charles Antoine de La Roche. Her father died in 1765 when she was just a year old. Very sad.
0: That is sad. I feel like that's a reoccurring theme, though. They always lose their kid, their parents when they're pretty young. Yeah, they are, but
1: they're pretty young. Uh, I mean, they didn't live to be that old back then. So yeah, they were, they were marrying old. them off when they were fifteen. I know, I know. You got to get those birth in your years in there early. <laughs> yeah.
0: like, Jesus. Yeah.
1: Uh but her governess was uh, Mary Louise de Rohan and watched over her and all of the other children and they became very very close. Um Elizabeth was very spunky. She was very smart and had a fondness for anything that was science related. When they uh she um her three closest siblings in age to her were all boys. They all ended up going on to be the king of France. So here comes this, you know, little this little tiny baby gal, um, and so she, of course, of course, she's going to be some spunky little thing. She got to do something to get noticed. i was going to say
0: the baby of eight. You got to be kind of crazy,
1: exactly. Uh, but she also really loved to to read philosophy. She liked to paint. She liked to draw. All these things that you know, a, a young girl was able to um, spend her time on when her brother was, you know. The one they were all going to go off to be kings, um, you know they they could have cared less what she was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my brothers are all king. I'm yeah, just she was just six years old when um, her brother became king and Marie Antoinette uh, became queen. Six years old, just six years old. Yeah, um, when she was thirteen, her brother wanted to marry her off to the um, to the brother of Marie Antoinette. Emperor uh, Joseph II. He was 23 years older than her. He was already widowed twice. Oh. Yeah, 23 years older, uh, which actually isn't that old. I mean, that was he was 36 years old and he was a widow twice. And she was 13. She was 13. Um, but he uh, but she didn't want to. She said that she kept telling her brother she didn't want to get married. She wanted to stay with her family. She wanted to stay at Versailles. He finally agreed and allowed her to stay at court. Um, and then she, she never had to marry anybody. Wait, so she never
0: was married. That's shocking. She no, actually it
1: wasn't. No, and her her. finally, her brother was like, that's fine. You know, I'm sure it didn't go down quite that simple. Um, but he uh, he was fine with her staying there at 15 years old. She pledged her life to God. Since so that was her kind of her way, you know, because as we've talked about before, you pretty much had two choices. You could be become a nun or a wife. Yeah, there wasn't a lot
0: of choice.
1: There wasn't a lot of uh, gray area in there. Um, so at fifteen, at fifteen years old, she kind of pledged her life to God, uh, but she stayed at court. Um, at nineteen, Louis the 16th ended up giving her the domain of the Chateau uh, Chateau de Montreuil. Um, it was rebuilt in 1772 by the Prince Rohan Gema um, who created this domain and built these beautiful gardens. It was very close to Versailles, um, but it, she was not allowed to stay the night there until she was 25 years old
0: 25 what
1: took so long yeah well that was when you became that's when you became of age for a Uh, woman wow
0: 25 they're married them off at 13 but you're at age 25
1: but guess what time guess how old you are as a man to become of
0: age 13 yep (laughs) <laughs> so basically the women were just like prostitutes until yeah. they turned 25. Yeah.
1: So basically twice the age of a man you could you can't do anything on your own. So every day she would ride her horse back and forth from Versailles, which it was very close, from Versailles to her chateau. She'd spend her day there walking in the gardens and enjoying herself um and then have to go back to Versailles every single night to sleep. Uh, but Marie Antoinette would k- sometimes come with her. And she said to her um, one day, she she noticed how happy she was and said that, you know, you're finally here and you're at home. Um, I will tell my, you know, tell, tell your brother this. Um, but she still, you know, he wouldn't waver on it. He said that, nope, she still had to come back. Um, you know, maybe she'd get into some mischief over there at 24 oh, yeah. years
0: old. Maybe
1: she meet a boy. I know. Maybe she meet a boy on those on those horse rides on the way back <laughs> and forth. Um, but she also uh, served as the. She had her own staff. She had um, a gal named Marie Angelique de Maco stayed with her. She was her um, lady of honor. She's she was very close to her. She was close with all the staff she had. She would frequently save up all of these different gifts that people would endow her with um and ended up giving to her different um ladies on her staff um allowing them to build a dowry so that they could marry somebody a little bit better
0: wasn't that nice of her yeah
1: because they you know they had to also you know you they would marry these young girls Um, and then, you know, that they would have to then have a dowry to give to their future husband. Um, so if you didn't have a very much, you did, you had such a little dowry, you weren't going to marry anybody very good.
0: Well, that still sounds better than Tinder dating today.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Thank goodness. You don't have to also have a dowry for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I met a lot of poor people on there. Yeah.
1: Um, But on May 3rd, 1789, at 1789, uh, sorry, 25 years old, she was finally able to now be of age. Um, She was able to attend. She could sleep at her home and she could attend the estate general official and official court functions. And she could sleep in her own castle. She could sleep in her own castle. But sadly, this only would last for about five months. because revolution. Yep, because uh, five months later on October 5th, she was at Versailles when um, the ladies that we just talked about last week broke in. Um, and uh, the next day they ended up carting them all off to Versailles. She actually didn't have to go, um, but they dec- she decided that her place was with her family. So she was going to go with them. Um, and it's reported that as she, uh, as a, as their carriage went by her chateau, she bowed to it, saying goodbye because she knew she was never going to see it
0: again. Oh, that's um, depressing. Also, um, she should have ran away. Don't go to prison with your family.
1: I know she should have just run away, but she, you know, kind of devoted herself to them at the Tuileries um, when they were staying there. She began to start to uh, use her voice a little bit more. She was speak up against her. Um, uh, to her brother um, and also the decisions that his political decisions he was making, she thought some of them were rather stupid and that she, he needed to go along with the assembly and the things that they were saying. Um, her other brother, the count Datois, which is the future Charles X um, was able to get out of France. He got down to Turin. And so the two of them would exchange letters and she was rather outspoken um, and told her brother um, Charles to gather up as many of the leaders of Europe that he could um, to try to talk some sense into Louis the XVI. Um, many of these letters were intercepted by the assembly, and then they were even more upset because obviously it showed that uh, Louis couldn't even control his own family. Yeah, but she still stayed very loyal to them Um, on January um, or June 20th, 1791. She, along with her um, sister-in-law and her brother, she crept through the streets, uh, the dark streets, trying to escape. And of course, we know that they did not get to their intended uh, destination. They were caught in Varennes and sent back uh, to Paris. Exactly a year to the day, they the Tuileries were stormed, the Swiss guards were killed, and rioters that broke in looking for the queen thought that she was the queen, and so she was quite fearful for a short period of time, thinking that they were going to kill her.
0: Oh, gosh, they thought she was
1: the queen. Yeah, they thought she was the queen. I mean, back then... I mean, I guess you see them kind of, you know, in the carriage going down the street, but it's not like today where we have a thousand pictures of these people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you see them on a coin, and I'm sure they weren't that well made. Yeah, I mean, that's how they got
1: caught in Varenne, is that the guy uh, at, I think it was the post office, noticed uh, that this guy all of a sudden showed up, looks kind of like the one on this coin in this pocket. (laughs) She's, She's wearing
0: dress. she could be the queen
1: yeah um when they were sent to the temple prison um she went she had to go as well um she was not sleeping and she was filled with so much stress that she physically changed um and became unrecognizable because she was not sleeping she wasn't eating um and the stress got so much to her that she basically was just falling apart
0: we thought the pandemic was bad, yeah. trying to lock it up in prison.
1: I know, but it is really interesting because the same thing, Marie Antoinette, you know, it's actually the, it's actually called Marie Antoinette syndrome now because her hair almost overnight turned white.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah,
1: dress. yeah. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, all like uh, how you, I it mean, it's amazing how your body reacts to that kind of a situation, just completely changing. Stress is bad, guys. Stress is bad. Stress is very bad for you. So everybody go to Paris and sit. By <laughs> I don't
0: know, Paris is that relaxing. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but she, you know, still tried to keep her faith. Um, she tried to figure thinking that they were going to make it through this. She sent letters to her former ladies Um that they, uh, most of them, they were sent out, but she received very few letters um, from anybody. They were all intercepted and destroyed. Her brother, of course, Louis XVI, was killed on January 21st, 1793. Um, and then shortly later, in October, the same year, her sister-in-law, Marie Antoinette, was killed. Um she was taken to the uh conciergerie when um and uh before she of course was killed in that august and uh, madame elizabeth was left at the temple prison with her uh niece who was the madame royale um the convention actually planned to save her life and exile her um out of france but they decided after the The quote unquote trial, we will call it, of Marie Antoinette because they put her on trial, but it didn't really matter. They made up their mind what they were going to do to her. Mm -hmm. And the whole trial, as you recall from those episodes, were horrible, saying that she had uh, sexual relations with her son Mm -hmm. and also that Madame Elizabeth did as well. Um, Just horrible, horrible lies were made up. So once she went through trial and they were talking about all these things, they decided they were not going to exile her, that she was going to have the same fate as her brother and sister-in-law.
0: Oh, that's so sad.
1: And how old was she? Was 25? She, yeah, she was not, uh, when she, when she was killed, she was 30 years old. Um, she was known as the sister of the tyrant and on May 10th, 1794, seven months after her sister-in-law, she, um met the same death as well the sad thing was is that she did not know that marie antoinette had been killed until moments before she was going to die she didn't know for seven months yeah she didn't know because they were cut off from everything they couldn't you know at that point they weren't getting any information um but yeah i think that's also kind of strange because i would think at some point somebody would say something to her like, I was
0: to Say they just wow. torture her
1: yeah. Um but she had asked to see a priest before she was going to be killed. Um they refused. They told her no. Um and unlike, you know, Marie Antoinette and Louis the 16th, they were carted off on, you know, they they were made a very big example of, of course, because they were placed on this cart um all by themselves and slowly slowly driven through the city. Um Madame Elizabeth was basically uh tossed into this cart filled with 23 other people. Um, as they went through the same path through the city that her brother had gone before, she looked up at a building and there was a priest in the window blessing them as they walked by. So luckily, she had her blessing before she was going to be killed.
0: This sounds so depressing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, she ended up being, while she was there in the prison, she became, she had such a calming um way about her, that she became kind of a counselor and a supporter of the people that were also in the prison. She ended up saving one of them because she had told um, uh, another prisoner, Madame Adeseri, that she should say that she was pregnant because it was one of the only things that would stop the blade from falling is if a woman was pregnant. And so she said, just tell them you're pregnant. And so she did. And they ended up taking her, sending her to a hospital instead. And because the timing of it, this woman was so lucky, because then um, within a month or two, the fall of Robespierre, Robespierre, who created basically the terror, as it was called, um, that was basically sending everybody off to the guillotine, met the same fate and had they the guillotined him. They guillotined him. And when that happened, basically it ended the terror. And a lot of this woman was ended up, she was saved. She's a lot of basically they stopped. I mean, they still people still died of the guillotine until nineteen seventy-two. Which is insane to me. It's crazy. Um, but it still happened, but it wasn't, you know, that's what they that's why they called it the terror, because it was just, you know, thousands of people were getting you know, weekly killed. I can't believe they did it to the guy who started it. All. I know. Well, I guess they probably were, you know, they probably cap. Like, yeah, guess what? Now it's your turn. But the, yeah. um, the concierge when you go, there's actually two different rooms that kind of have um, a lot of information about Robespierre. It's actually pretty interesting. I mean, he was pretty high and mighty thinking he was, you know, in charge and making all these decisions. And then he ended up the same way that he, you know, with the same fate that he put on everybody else, he ended up getting his self. Karma, man. Karma, yeah. But as they arrived on the the scaffolding at the Pont de la Revolution, or the Place de la Revolution that we know as Place de la Concorde, um, they ended up seating her on the bench that was closest to the guillotine, even though she was going to be last. So she had to sit there as Twenty two people before her would walk past her um and basically wa- she'd have to watch every one of them have their head chopped off.
0: That is horrific. That sounds right. like okay.
1: Yeah, but as each lady passed um, they curtsy to her and the men bowed, um, many of the women would kiss her hand. Um, And so she, you know, was obviously very beloved um, by all of these people. And, you know, because her rank, she was, you know, at that point, they changed all their their last name. They called them Capet. So she was met um, Elizabeth de Capet, which is also if you go to the constituency, there's a room that has all of the names um, inscribed, I think, in marble. And if you look for Louis and Marie Antoinette, that's what their, that's what their name will be under.
0: That is so depressing. And that's one of the few museums I have not visited. I need to go. Yeah, it's it's pretty
1: um, amazing. It is. um, It's very uh, moving, especially if you know anything about Marie Antoinette's life. You go into this room that's down below, that's a, a chapel. Um, it was kind of the last place that she was and they painted it inside, um, with this like dark Navy blue, um, walls. And then they painted these, um, silver tears on it.
0: So that's where she was a prisoner. wasn't that,
1: that was kind of the last place she was. And it's, um, inside it has a, it has some paintings basically depicting of her time there. And then it has, um, some, uh. Uh, big, uh, there's like one for Madame Elizabeth, and then there's one for Marie Antoinette, and these inscriptions um, on on it. It's really emotional when you go see it for the, especially the first time. It's just very sad. Um, she and uh, Madame Elizabeth and Marie Antoinette became very close, and the last thing that Marie Antoinette did was she wrote her a letter. Um, she never got the letter because it was intercepted by Robespierre. But you can see part of the letter is transcribed on this marble uh, marble slate that is in the little chapel. It's also the original. You can see it on display in the Archives uh, Museum, which is a museum m- most people don't know. It's very close to the Carnavalet. Um, But she basically, you know, dis- basically says how devoted she was and how much she loved her, and it was um, all dedicated to Madame Elizabeth.
0: That museum's really pretty. I did a maternity shoot inside there. Oh my God, that's <laughs> random. <laughs> yeah, because it's just really beautiful inside. And the woman just researched it. And was like, she asked them if she could do it. And they said, yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when you walk in like the, you know, it's like just to go in there, just to walk around and see, you could walk into this room. That was like the former kitchen and the fireplace. You could basically walk in there, probably fit like 80 people. <laughs> yeah, it's like. And then some
0: of those have all these big chandeliers. It's like a little mini Versailles and some of them are really,
1: really, it's really, really interesting um, to go see. Um, But as she was, uh, when it came her turn, she was laid on, you know, she laid down on the, this plank that was below the blade. Um, Her dress kind of slipped off of her shoulder and her last words were to ask them for her modesty and the execution lifted her dress back up over her shoulder. And then, uh, The blade dropped and
0: she died at 30 years old. Well, she never got much time in her castle. She got a whole... He did not,
1: not to get to sleep there over the night, but it's very sad. But after her death, um, much like her sister-in-law and brother, she was, uh, but with even less care, she was tossed naked into this mass grave at the Aronce Cemetery. It was in the 8th. It was very close to what we know as the Parc Monceau. Um it was closed um, shortly thereafter it was closed in um, 1797. Um, all of the bones, of course, and the bodies were removed and put into the catacombs. But unlike some of the other cemeteries in Paris, it is not marked. So in the catacombs, you can see like these were the, you know, the, the, the bodies from the Madeleine Cemetery or this or that, but um, the ones from where she was, uh, where she were, uh, <laughs> I can't speak, where she was, she they were not noted. So we don't know where what happened to her. Um, in 1815, Louis the 18th came back and he was trying to figure out... Um, he where the body of a sister was, um, but because they had been were just basically tossed into this grave with no embalming or anything else. Of course, um, the decay was so bad they couldn't ID her, so he never was able to find her. Is he the only one that survived? Well, no, because then they had the other brother, Charles the tenth, and then um, of course the daughter, Madame Royale.
0: Gosh, what a hard time for their family. That sounds like the worst.
1: Yeah, but you know, the very she was very loyal to her brother and to Marie Antoinette. Um, she stayed very faithful to them till the last day. Um, you know that Marie Antoinette wrote this letter to her. Um, she said that you you um, does you know you basically destined everything of your life to be with us, um, and you know, of course, she never got to see that letter. Yeah. Um, that it it is also there is in the Louvre you could go to the very end of the Richelieu wing um if you go all the way down there. Um, there is actually two framed um, on either side before you go through these doorways. There's one um, of Louis the last will, and it's all like inscribed, uh, embroidered on this this silk fabric, and it's in a frame. And the other one is also the letter that Marie Antoinette wrote to Madame Elizabeth. You can see this. You can see versions of this letter all over the place. Sadly, Elizabeth never saw it.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, Elizabeth needed that. Yeah, um, she also has in the Louvre, um, she had a bunch of furniture that she had created for her chateau. um, And quite a bit of it actually is in the Louvre today. So you could actually see some of the furniture that she had um, that was of her very own, which is rare to find some surviving things um, from before the revolution. Um, And so those things are all also in the Louvre, um, which is pretty cool. After her death, um, she's still seen as uh, a Catholic martyr um, and a servant to God. She has been up for beatification a few times um, since 1924. They still have yet to allow her to be named a saint. It kind of got pushed off. um, But Madame Royale later said that she was like a second mother to her and that she never would have survived uh, being locked up in the temple prison if it wasn't for her.
0: Yeah, the whole pregnancy thing worked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh it's all uh it's very, it's very sad.
0: It's very, very sad. Well, thanks for teaching us about that, Claudine. Now I won't be able to sleep tonight. I <laughs> hey, I told you much
1: worse things about some of the people that <laughs> went to the Guillotine. That was nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well,
0: thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Paris History Abigail Hemingway. Please tune in next week where we talk about another fascinating woman in French history. And also don't forget to join Claudine's live virtual tours every Sunday from Paris where she walks around the streets and teaches you about the history in real time on video. And you can get some tours planned, your vacation to France planned all by Claudine. So go to our website, ClaudineHemingway.com and don't forget to tune in next week.
1: Thank you for listening to Paris History Effect A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U, as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris, or it's lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com,
0: where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.